Welcome to Unbossed, Unbothered, and Unfiltered. I'm your host, Lauren Green. Join me as we navigate political communications ups and downs and ins and outs of our day. My guests and I promise to give you the history, the real, and the ideal. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to Unbossed, Unbothered, Unfiltered. I'm your host, Lauren Green. During the summer of 2020, people across the country and the world were captured by footage of George Floyd pleading for his life at the hands of police officers in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Here we sit in the aftermath of countless rallies, protests, and even attempts at legislation asking what's next. For so many, George Floyd is a symbol about much needed change in this country, but he is also a man who left behind a family picking up the pieces and trying to move forward. The George Floyd Foundation put together A Gentle Giant, a short film about George Floyd, the man, and it is now available on Hulu. I got a chance to sit down with one of the actors from the movie, Tisalta Baptiste, to talk about what it means to be Black in Hollywood in this time and how it feels to tell a story this important. Tisalta Baptiste was born in Berkeley, California. Growing up, his neighbors often referred to his home as the movie house for being the place to find VHS tapes of popular movies if Blockbuster was ever out of stock. He began his career in acting on the Texas Southern University speech and debate team. He later ventured overseas and became recognized by international audiences due to his portrayal of Tupac Shakur and Until the End of Time. I'm pleased to welcome to Unbossed, Unbothered, and Unfiltered, Tisalta Baptiste. Hi, Tisalta. Hey, how you doing, Lauren? I'm good. How are you? Spectacular. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no. Thank you for joining us. Um, so our first segment is called School in Life where we sort of break down a bit of bio and your background. So how about you tell the people a bit about yourself? Okay, yeah, sure, sure. Um, so my name is Tasalta Baptiste. Uh, I was born in Berkeley, California, raised in the Inland Empire, um, which is uh, a little bit off of Los Angeles going east. Um, and yeah, yeah, so born and raised in California. Um, didn't graduate from high school, actually. That's an interesting fact about myself. I, I ended up going to an adult school and um, got my high school diploma there and then went to a community college and did well that route, transferred to Texas Southern um, because of the debate team that was there. And um, the debate team uh, was uh, really popping because it's one of the biggest, um, I guess, jewels in the tiara of Texas Southern University. Uh, the Great Debaters movie had just came out and they had coached the actors, including Denzel Washington for that movie. Long story short, I got some strings pulled for me to join that team. And uh, I really wanted to join it to be a better rapper, you know, to, to be a better orator. Um, but I ended up falling in love with drama pieces, with uh, expressing because debate is not just arguing, it's also um, doing different programs of oral interpretation, different uh, dramatic interpretations and basically acting just one one man play for 10 minutes or a woman and so uh i fell in love with that um did that for my entire college career uh, traveled the world um and yeah later later on in life uh got a master's degree in international development through concordia uh, university of irvine i studied in china for three years while doing that and taught as well and uh, made a film out there and uh, it did pretty well. And uh, then that landed me uh, back home in Southern California. 
Oh, wow. You've taken like definitely quite a journey um, through, through yeah. all of this to arrive in this space, uh, which is as an actor. And so how does it feel as, as a black man to share your story, to share our stories with the world? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I'm really happy that a lot of um, my projects are black stories. And, um, you know, it's not like I'm out here saving no vampire aliens or nothing like that. Like I'm actually doing things that are, you know, relevant and uh, forward moving for the for the community and for the culture. So I'm really happy about that. You know, um, this one, you know, this is a this is a short film project. It um, it it's projected to be a series. We're just going to say that I'm not, I don't want I'm not the one to talk about that and make those announcements. But um, this one is something that is in connection, uh, The Gentle Giant is something that's connection with the George Floyd Foundation. Uh, it, it was uh, started by um, Bridget Floyd and Jakari Harris. And um, and then, of course, there were uh, agencies like RGA, uh, Smuggler, who all pitched in and said, we're going to make something dope. And of course, Ad Council, um, they premiered at a Cannes Festival and, and now Hulu is saying we're going to show that film. And, uh, and that's pretty much the project as it stands now. Um, you know this uh this particular project when i get congratulations for it it feels a little weird uh, it's because you know it's um it, yes it's cool to be a part of this kind of a story but it, but for the circumstances of the story that's being told um it's hard to just be like oh yeah you know yeah you know yeah yeah i'm on tv you know you know yeah it's me it's like you know that's this is uh something that i uh i have to be very, i have to be very humble and check myself about uh just because of the spirits that's involved with this project and um and the legacy and um and just how, how I come off, you know, uh, when talking about it, you know, so um, I'm grateful. I, I will just say I feel like God has been using me and uh, I'm thankful to be a part of this. Absolutely. And it is important to sort of, I guess, have the reference point for the types of stories that that you are telling. Right. And um, I mean, needless to say, the uh, video that went viral of, unfortunately, George Floyd's last moments uh, kicked off what felt like a summer of civil unrest for 2020. Um, you know, yeah. we had protests in every major American city. And so if you want to, if you don't mind, like taking a moment, like where were you when that was going on? Yeah, so I was I was here. I was back in the States. Um, you know, 2020, <laughs> we, we got we to gotta recap what was going on during that time. You know, um, I was back. Personally, I was back in the States. It's been it was a total of two years. So a lot of that international uh exposure and experience started kind of weighing off and the, the heaviness of america was really settling in again um and you know uh it was election year you know so uh, a lot of people were were you know the boiling point was 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 getting heated up a little bit because of you know what side are you on you know these injustices things in that of nature um kobe bryant passed uh first and then the the the, the majority of the country was confirmed to be on lockdown the following month. And then that month, uh, Ahmaud Arbery was murdered on camera. And I think that that murder really, really kind of, it, 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 it ushers in the, the, the unrest and the, the point that people reached where we were like, yeah, we're, we're, we're gonna take this to our own hands now because we seen this man get, get murdered, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, a, like he was hunted, you know, like he was wild game or something. They were like, yeah outside the truck and shot him down and yeah. um and and then uh the, the they, they they didn't reach a verdict yet and so it's like mm -hmm. the, the case just kept going on for months and right. while we're waiting for something to happen for that then we see this video of this man 
with the with the knee on the back of his head for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Mm-hmm. And uh and 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 all during a pandemic while we're supposed to be locked down, while the world's supposed to be coming together to unify, to to lift each other up, we're watching two murders of black men. And it was like, how can racism rear its ugly head and, and, and just photobomb this this historic moment in the world with just racist like racism like that, you know? And I think that because of that, um, just watching that man, you know, Ahmaud Arbery was one thing we seen him fight, you know, we seen him give him those bop bop and we seen him run. Yeah. Um, but with 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 George Floyd, he was he was um he was restrained, you know, he was compliant and he was begging for his life while everybody was just standing around doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really triggered um, if Ahmaud Arbery didn't do it for, for the world or for Americans, at least, uh, watching that happen to George, I think that did it. And, um, I think that's why, you know, there's just so, it's so much, so much of a powder keg, um, mm. all these different things happening at that time that we were like, yo, enough is enough, yo. And, um, we're going to take justice to our own hands. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was definitely what happened. And I also think like part of the undergird there that you also mentioned was we were all at home. Because we know police brutality is not new, right? But because of the pandemic, we were all at home effectively watching the news and watching this happen. Um, Or, or, you know, seeing seeing the videos after the fact in a way that you couldn't look away. And so many other times in history, there's been a host of things that people were either preoccupied by or distracted by, but that we didn't have those opportunities then. And so um, it definitely, you know, brought out a host of, of emotions from people across the across the space. I even remember, you know, part of the concern with people coming together to protest was at that point, COVID-19 was so new. Yeah. We were like, you know, how do we do this safely, right? So people were protesting six feet apart with masks and gloves and, you know, trying to find a way to do this because it was so important to be out there even with everything else going on. And so you definitely cannot uh, overstate the, I guess, historic and other cultural context for for that moment and how we arrived there. And as we transition into Hold Up, um, something Mm -hmm. that is interesting is the idea that how does your current role, so now, you know, in 2022, you're taking part in this project. um, How did that, um, I guess, bring those feelings back up for you? Well, you know, um, the feelings the feelings that were brought back up um, were just mainly that, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we're finally moving forward. You know, I feel like films and projects like this are definitely steps in the right direction. They shouldn't be the be all to end all. Mm-hmm. You know, it shouldn't be like, you know, yeah, we made a movie or a show and that's, you know, that's progress. Um, but I do think that it, it definitely signals that there are there are the right people that are campaigning and getting involved now, you know, and, and primarily, you know, um, budgets, you know, I think that that's going to be the thing that really speaks when you got a, a whole project, a Hollywood project uh, behind the supporting and also to mention um, Bridget Floyd, you know, she's the one that really crafted the gentle giant. And I really appreciate that. It was the family telling his story in that and not, you know, some, some executive producers somewhere that's, you know, unrelated, you know, but has the rights, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, this was the family and I'm glad that they were the first to do it. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and prayerfully will continue to, to make sure that they 
they're the ones that that control the narrative of his life because I didn't know much about uh, George in the way that uh, the film shares. You know, I, I I didn't even know it was about him until I finished reading the script. And at, right at the end, just like in the film, I was like, oh, this is about George Floyd. Hold mm. up, whoa, goosebumps, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, uh, Bridget Floyd, she, she selected me personally. She said him out of all the people that auditioned and so just things like that, you know, I appreciate. And um, and there's a lot of respect uh, on set when you're working on a project like this. You know, usually everybody's on their best behavior with yeah. with the black uh, with the black people on set. Um, right. So I, I, I really enjoy uh, being a part of that. Yeah, that is that is really interesting. You mentioned a bit about. Um sort of the family being central to this piece. And I agree, that's absolutely huge. Um, but I, I kind of want to talk about this moment, something that was interesting in 2020 was it felt like there was this surge of Hollywood um, celebrity like power and involvement in social justice issues all of a sudden. And so what, in what ways has that sort of shifted the dynamic of your work or has it at all? The Hollywood involvement mm -hmm. and social justice? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's it's really it's it's time now. I think that we you know we as black people we are um, we're the bell of the ball, mainly wow. because of the 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 way that uh, analytics now can show so much in real time. Um, the conversations, the eyeballs that get on certain things. Um, there is there has never been a better time in Hollywood to be a black person than right now. Um, there are so many people that are throwing opportunities to people because they know that it will stream some sort of views or revenue. And uh, I'm speaking, I'm putting my producer hat right now when I, when I say that. Um, so I think that it was good. Uh, but again, like I said, like, you know, Dave Chappelle, he did his 846 uh, special, yeah. which was which was unheard of for a comedian to do something that was social justice driven, make a whole show or a whole stand up special about that. Um, that that was legendary on his end, right? That made him more iconic by doing that. Uh, but then also it's it kind of cemented the fact that, you know, black entertain black entertainers and, and production in itself with the things that's going on in the real world, such as social justice issues, they they are they are officially married. Um, this isn't something that's kind of like a, a charity that they're doing as much as no, this is something that's here to stay. And um, this is now its own its own uh, lane now. Um, so I'm grateful to be a part of uh, that that renaissance period of, of uh, black uh, producers or actors or entertainers who are now going to be portraying a lot of this now, because, like I said, analytics shows that if you if you can capitalize on something that's uh, being widely discussed. Um, that's a, that's a that's a missed opportunity if they don't. Um, so it's it's here to stay, and uh, I'm just grateful that you know it is taking the place the way the form is is taking, but also that again the family has uh, been the first to really uh, put something together. Um, that's that's huge, you know. You and, and just just to, just to kind of say this, uh, I hope it, I don't. Uh, muddy the, the rhythm right now but like um a story like richard pryor for example you know mm -hmm. god bless his soul that's a story that's that took well over 20 years to tell you know on mm -hmm. camera on, on the screen um so 
I'm happy. These things get really political. At least they they have been. Yeah. Uh, but now something that happened just two years ago can boom immediately now uh, they can they 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 can find the 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 way that they're going to make they're going to recoup their investment. Um, right. It's going to reach the right audience. They projected these many people will see. Um, it's a beautiful time right now to be able to really get these stories out in real time. So, yeah, I would love to talk more about that, but I'm, I'm going to just yield my time right there. <laughs> no, no, I think that's really, really interesting. And it is true that one, often we don't get to tell our stories or there yeah. is like a catch up element because I, I do remember in recent history, Aretha Franklin's story, right? And how you had these two biopics come out at the same time. One that the family yeah. sanctioned and one that they didn't, right? And so people, people felt strongly about about the fact that her family should be able to tell her story. And there were there were people. I'm not saying either of us are those people, but there were people who feel like that that it was disrespectful to to not um, to not engage the family on on a work about such an icon, such an important <laughs> important person. And so I, I fully understand the, what you're saying there, as far as being able to tell tell our own stories is huge and the family being central there. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, now we shift a little bit as we, as we head into, I ain't sorry. Um, and this is, this is kind of personal for you, but as we discussed earlier, you know, you've taken a journey to get here. Um, and mm -hmm. so what is a personal philosophy that you've developed, uh, that, that helps you do the work that you do professional or personal actually? Yeah, so I heard a quote the other day uh, that said that success is easy. Everything operates on the same three pillars. And that is analysis, capital, and execution. Mm. So no matter if you're creating a clothing company, if you want to be a, a, an actor, make a film, start a, start a, a automotive production company, right? Mm -hmm. It's always going to take those same three. You analyze it. You do your research. You get the data. You 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 put the roadmap together. Then you get the capital to fund it. As an actor, you got to get your headshots. You got to get your um, your your outfits to look fresh in the headshots. You got to get your, your your gas to drive to the audition. You know, in, in all type of ways, it's going to cost some sort of capital. But you know what it's going to take to make that investment. Acting classes. You make that investment because you know what to invest in now and then finally once you have the you you know what to do you got the the capital to do it and you just execute and you execute like your life depends on it every single time you know so um that's my philosophy it's always those things it's, it's not rocket math you know i like to say rocket math because you know science the word science even makes it harder than math sometimes but it's not <laughs> rocket math um you just do the analysis get the capital to fund it and then execute. So I, I live by that. Um, but also just working in this industry, I've realized the power of making, of putting together a team, a team for yourself, most importantly, first, you want to make sure that you get your management, you get your agency, you get your publicist, you want to make sure that you have somebody that can hook you up with a dope wardrobe, if you got a stylist, you want to make sure you got your barber on deck, you want to make sure that you, you know, have the person that can help read with you, you got to, you got to assemble that team independently. And then you join forces with another team and you create a super team. Like a prime example with that is Kevin Hart and The Rock right now. I don't know how many movies those two have been in together, but what they realize is together they're they're a package, they're sellable mm -hmm. because Kevin Hart brings the the comedy and The Rock brings the, the action. Yeah. And together the two of them, they can pretty much make any type of genre movie together. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier to sell a script 
to to a studio with both of them headlining um then just one of them alone you know they get a, they get they got a package they put their teams together form the super team you know so um that's something that can be done on a grassroots level you know you just get your shit together excuse me you get your team together first uh, you get your team together first yeah. and then you join no, that that's a thousand percent true. And there's there's what I'm hearing there is also like, while you know, self making yourself the best you can is important. You can never underestimate or undersell the importance of community, right? right. Like people around you rooting for you, wanting you to win, and then bond like being in a position to to elevate yourself um, when you come across someone who's like minded. And so. I definitely think that. I think Kevin Hart and The Rock are a great example because we probably get two movies a year out of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> franchises too. Yeah. You said who? Yeah. I said franchises too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have they have figured figured out the keys the keys to the kingdom right there. Um, and my uh, I guess semi last question is: What mm-hmm. if anything is giving you hope right now? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that you asked me that question. Um, if you would have asked me that question maybe five years ago uh, or a few years ago, I would have probably said humanity, you know, is giving me hope. But like I said, I've been back in the States for far too long. And mm-hmm. I, I just I just feel that heaviness every time and, and things that I've experienced in the world outside of this country. Uh, sometimes it, it becomes a little null and void to me uh, because I have to deal with my immediate reality. Um, so. I'm going to say that, you know, the thing that's giving me hope right now, and I'm not going to say what's not. I, I had a long list of things that I could say isn't giving me hope, but I'm just not going to do that today. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just going to stick to what is. And I would say that what is giving me hope are the people that rely on me and depend on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, not, I'm not looking too far for any type of inspiration right now. I'm looking at what's right in front of me. And um, I'm dealing with that first. And... Um, you know, there's nothing like having um, that person or those persons who just ridiculously believe in you. You know, and um, I'm appreci- I'm learning to appreciate those people in my life and to make it a, a symbiotic, synergistic relationship. Um, because from there, hopefully, it will it will uh, trickle down or you know, things that we do together can, you know, have all the boats rise with the tide, so to speak, in their circles, in their extended communities, in their extended communities. So um, that's the way to affect and, and get hope from outside when it comes back. But I got to focus on what's right here in front of me right now. And uh, that's what's giving me hope. Absolutely. Um, and I do just want to take a quick second. You've said twice now something about the heaviness um, mm. in America. And I was wondering... If you if you feel comfortable expounding on that, because I do think that that's really rich. Yeah, I mean, what you want to know? <laughs> well, one, I'm, I'm curious <laughs> about the difference between you said like coming back to the states, you're reminded of it. So what what felt lighter abroad that you don't feel here? Well, yes, it's a thing. You know, I think anybody that travels and have been gone for I'm gonna say at least a month or two, uh, you feel it as soon as you land at the airport. It's just like, ooh, yeah, that's right. Ah, that is the feeling here. It's 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 hard to explain. Um, you just gotta feel it. Um, but you know, I I've had the pleasure and the, the the privilege, like I said, with the debate team, we traveled all over the world. 
Uh, we could we were performed my first the first country I actually officially visited um was Tanzania Tanzania East Africa and so if you can imagine this young man from you know Rialto California which is very unheard of but I'm working I'm doing my best to put it on the map um <laughs> whose whose whole rite of passage really was to get involved in some thug activities you know um, Southern California, that's that that's a that's a young black man's hurdle. You know, are you going to get into some gang affiliation? Are you gonna smoke? You're gonna hook up real early with somebody and have kids at, at you know a really young age? It's like these type of things. How I was plucked out of that by by God's design. And the first place I visit outside of this country is Africa. Um, you know, that, uh, that, that, that was special and, and, and to be able to, you know, walk somewhere and, uh, another man will just hold my hand and someone will have to explain to me that that's a sign of friendship, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I had been so, you know, uh, uh, conditioned, uh, to not let any man hold your hand like that, bro. Get off me. Is the right. initial knee-jerk reaction I'm supposed to have, but like, okay, it's cool. And for me to walk with this man for 15 minutes, holding hands and just talking, I felt like so much trauma just leave my body, mm. you know, and uh, just just in that in that walk. And I tell people about that all the time, you know. Um, just again, some people got experience. Um, and then living in China, you know, I live in China, which is very controversial. If we're talking about Africa and they switch to China. Um, but I learned a lot about taking your your essence, your existence to the front door of people who have no clue or idea of who you are really. They see things in the media, they 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 hear these things about you, they they're a homogeneous society. And whether they've been taught some really racist things or whether they've been taught to be good people, and both in between, and somewhere in between, you know, the, the fact of the matter that. Um, they're still humans too. So they, they still have a, a curiosity, they still got a good heart. They still got, you know, things that other humans are going through and they can experience their first, not, not only just black person, but the first person that's not Chinese, you know, mm-hmm. in their life. And I'm the person, you know what I'm saying? I'm the person that gives them their English name, you know, and I made sure I gave them black names. I got a Khadijah out there. I got a, a, a Ajane out there. I got a, 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 a Terrell out there. You know what I'm saying? And those are their those are their English names. And it was an honor for me to give them their name. You know, we're talking right. about college students, you know. Um, and 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 they still keep in contact with me today, you know. So to be able to do that, to be able to teach these people black, black, blackity black things, you know, teach them about the media, teach them about how racism is uh for you know the history in the media for 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 Asians in, in America, to show them the fact that Asians in America have a platform, like showing them. Uh, fresh on the boat shows like that or 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 the difference between um the different types of english and finding out how great of a show the fresh prince of bel-air is to teach english as a foreign language because you have jeffrey who teaches the old english then you wow. have carlton Rupperfield that teaches the proper uh 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 i guess more formal dialect of english then you got will that speaks in all the colloquials and wow. all that stuff and it's like, wow, like this show is the perfect. And then doing that. And then them saying it's their first time seeing a black show. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Everything they just thought came from America was Friends or the Big Bang Theory and 
oh no 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 we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna change up our whole lesson plan we're gonna learn uh samaya angelou you're gonna everybody's gonna recite this poem we're gonna recite this poem by tupac shakur you know um and then you know learning learn about black inventors you you're gonna you're gonna give me 25 black inventions i mean but black people research it teacher that that's not that doesn't happen that's impossible you you'll find out you know it's liberating it's like you feel the worth the self-worth you feel purpose and then right. come here and you're like okay now you know get in line on this conveyor belt you know mm. yeah. wow so, yeah thank you for sharing that i think um <laughs> yeah, what no what, what you're describing is is a is a freedom that i think uh at times, like because of our experiences, even our notions of freedom can become restrained. Um, so when we talk about freedom here, it's often in a really particular context, but like what you're describing is a, is a particular freedom as far as just like you felt, um, I guess like a lightness and a, a notion of possibilities and opportunities and resources that here, even when we're talking about black freedom, you know, often it can be relegated to like politically or, or black capital or, or like all these other different elements. And so you're, you're describing a, a, a day to day um, celebration of who you are in a way that I, I think escapes even some of our, our even, you know, more progressive spaces here. So thank you for, for sharing that. Of course, I could talk all day about that. <laughs> Actually, what are some common misconceptions about your field or things that you wish people knew? All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious. Do you have any examples of anything specifically you'd like to know? I mean, uh, you know, you hear stories about um, like I'm, I'm thinking about Viola Davis. Right. And her mm. referring to herself as the black Meryl Street, but how she doesn't mm. feel like she's compensated in that same way. Right. Or, mm. um, you know, I've, I've particularly heard of other people having experiences about feeling typecasted in certain roles as a particular, uh, whether that's racially or gender wise. And so is there anything um, in your personal experience that you think does like has not been highlighted uh, in the overall experiences of being a black actor? Yeah, I love that. You whew, you came with it with that one. Um, you know, I, I, one of my favorite quotes uh, as an actor comes from uh, Donald Glover in his mm -hmm. uh, rap alias uh, Childish Gambino. <laughs> he has a line where he says, he won't stop until James Franco is called the white Donald Glover. And mm. I think that, you know, for far too many times, you know, we are definitely kind of pigeon held in this, uh, this, this area of having to compare ourselves as black, you know, the black version of something. Um, but it's interesting that you mentioned that because, so I, so I have, I have two, two, two approaches for this, for the consumer and for the person that's um, in, an inspiring actor, for example. So um, with Viola Davis, you know, it's, 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 it's unfortunate because, and I mean, shout out to her. I met her. I met her husband. Um, great people. They got a team. Um, they, they are, they're working and uh, they're, they're putting together their own stuff and um, really down to earth people, great people. Um, you know, what's happening right now in Hollywood and just, just media in, in general is it's becoming less about uh, being a thespian. Right. And I'm saying this because this is what a, a first AD told me. And that's a that's assistant director. That's really like the person that calls the shots on scene on set. Um, it's becoming less about being a thespian and it's becoming more about having the look, right? Having having an aesthetic. Um, and so that's kind of why, you know, a lot of 
the stuff that we're seeing right now, you know, I don't know if it's like this for you, but I know for me, speaking for myself, a lot of stuff that, that's being produced, it's, it's really nothing to get, like, I guess, all the way excited for. Like, this is nothing that I feel like uh, it's, it's anything new or like, oh, that's a, ah, that's, that's going to define our decade. You know, um, like like in the 90s, for example, it's like every movie that hit, you know, a blockbuster was like a decade defining film. Um, but now it's kind of like just cranking stuff out. Uh, because there's, there's a lot of competition without getting too deep into that with just reality and 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 I guess art imitating art imitating life. Um, they they kind of want to just make sure a person has a look. And if you have the look, then you're pretty much more than halfway there. Um, now, if it's like two or three people that they've chosen out of the thousands of submissions, and then they will it down to fifty people to audition then they say the director's like no 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 I, I you know don't want to watch all those auditions let's get it down to 10. so they whittle it down too based on whatever you know persons i don't like i don't want to say instagram following because it just that's that's kind of a, a toss-up it doesn't really matter what your following is sometimes um or 50 percent of the time but sometimes it does uh let's say your resume your experience your agency that you're represented by if you're a good hang if uh we, we we watch and we're like, oh, this person's like, they'll be cool to work with on set or oh, this person's like, they'll be a handful to work with on set. No, thank you. Um, if you're on time, all these different things can determine how small that shrinks down. And then when they shrink it down, now they got 10 people that are like, this is the look. Now, if out of those 10, they have a pretty good three or two that they're like, yeah, we're going to go with them. Then now it comes down to who's the more talented or who's the more, you know, who gave me the better vibe, you know, things like that. It's, it, it, it gets to that point now. So it's, it's becoming less about like, yo, this person is, uh, 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 they, they went to, to, to um, Juilliard and they went to, you know, they studied this on, on Broadway. It's becoming less about less and less and less and less about that now. Um, and pretty much anybody can be an actor today um, if they have the look. And so, um, and if you, if you don't suck, then yeah, you're, you're, you're winning. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, so that's pretty much what it's morphed into now. Me in, in this particular situation, the whole thing is unique. Like everything about this is just, it's just wild. I'm, I'm just, I'm just like really just wondering like what is going to happen with this project, because it, it, it's, it's, it's happening in such a, a, a unique way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a commercial that's airing. Um, it, 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 it aired at Cannes, um, and. And now it's on Hulu as a as a film. Um, the way that it happened, the Floyd uh, family selected, you know, and wrote and put together the script and the story. So these are all things that are very, you know, unique. And um, and even me, you know, they chose the right one with me. You know, what I'm saying like I'm not surprised that when you're talking to me, I'm like, oh yes. So um, I wasn't really uh, that aware of uh, George Floyd when the situation happened. I had to do a lot of research and learn about him. Um, but yes, yes, uh, horrible, horrible. horrible. <laughs> you know, I'm, they they chose the right one, and and mm -hmm. it's like, and, and, and so it's like, uh, it's all of that, you know what I'm saying? So that's pretty much how that goes, um, and how it went in this situation with them being in the room and, and her selecting me. As we transition um, to our drunken love segment, I want to give you a couple of moments to sort of uh, offer final thoughts for anything that we didn't get a chance to cover today. Of course, um, I just like to publicly say that uh, it is time for us to get our reparations. 
Um, so <laughs> I hope that that gets uh, across uh, to the right person, the right ears. It, we have to continue to beat that drum. So I'm gonna make sure I, I use this platform to say that uh, it's time. This is this is the biggest fight for our generation right now. If if it's not us, then it probably will never happen. We're the ones to do it. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, Gentle Giant on Hulu now, actually. Um, it's uh, I don't want to give it away, but if you've listened to this entire podcast, you probably have a very good idea of who it's about and what it's about. Um, but I can guarantee you it's not what you think it's about, even though you know what it's about. Um, so it has a very uh, different, unique take on it. Um, it is a project that was made by Ad Council, um, Smuggler, RGA, and last but not least, the George Floyd Foundation. Uh, they put this film together. Um, there's definitely some some other things in pipeline that are coming uh, out of this. So make sure you go watch it on Hulu. It's it's amazing. It's a it's it's a quick one. It's a quick watch. Um, and you know we definitely make, need to make sure that these are the things that we're consuming and giving the views uh, to. Um, so yeah, definitely watch it. Jo the, the Gentle Giants on Hulu. Watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. uh, no, I mean, all of all of that resonates uh, for me in the event. Uh, well, so sticking a step back, I have thoroughly enjoyed you today. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about a bit about your journey and, and what you're working on. In the event people want to keep up with you and your work, what is the best way they do that? Yeah, keep up with me on uh, on my social media handles, uh, Tasalta Baptiste. Tasalta is at last spelled backwards. Baptiste is Baptist with an E on the end. So that's my handle at Tasalta Baptiste. Um, I'm I'm everywhere, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, uh, Periscope, people still doing that. Um, but I'm on that too. Um <laughs> yeah, that's how you can find me. It's my name. Um keep it, keep it, keep up with me. Cause like I was saying, uh, I work uh, also as a producer in the production as well. So um, I'm doing something now where I'm teaching a lot of people if they need some sort of Hollywood quality uh, production or marketing and or marketing. Uh, I'm teaching people how to do that, you know, with with a with a, 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 a budget that is not a million dollar budget, you know. Um, so if at very least just follow me just to learn some really good stuff, you're going to learn a lot. That is is really cool. Um, if you give me one moment to wrap up here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unbossed, Unbothered, and Unfiltered. If you are looking for the show, you can find us at Unbossed, Unbothered, and Unfiltered on Facebook and Instagram, and you can find all episodes at Unbossed, Unbothered, and Unfiltered.com.